0: Hi, I'm Mary Lyons, the Wealth Woman.
1: I'm Eric Alexander with Benchmark Income Group.
0: Welcome to the Big Wealth Podcast. Today, we have Ian Cron with us again, and we are so excited to have him here. Today, we are going to be talking about how do I show up for healthy dialogue, given my Enneagram type. And I think this is a big one, especially if you are talking to a spouse about money, because the only person you can actually control is yourself. And even (laughs) that is highly suspect at times. So what do we need to be aware of when we are talking to a a spouse about money? How do we make sure we're showing up as our best self?
2: I'm uh, particularly excited about this. How do people in the nine personality types, right? Right. show up as their best self to ensure that the conversation is properly lubricated. <laughs> uh, we'll go without with for, as little friction, as relational friction as possible. For good um, financial
1: intimacy, which I think good, is such a great threat. Yes,
2: for good financial intimacy. And also say, let's just get it. We're going to be talking here in generalities because obviously— If a one is talking to a three, they have to show up differently than they will for a five or an eight or a Mm -hmm. seven. So I can only speak in generalities or otherwise this is going to be an eight-hour podcast as we move through all 56 possible permutations or 112 permutations. You know, it's like crazy, right? Right. All these different pairings could possibly be. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about ones for a second. These are the – remember the – Improvers, they used to be called the perfectionists.
0: Can I add one thing to this too? Sure. Whether you're talking to a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whether you're single and you're talking to your advisor, I think all of this is particularly relevant because it's about how you're showing up to a conversation about money.
2: Yeah. So in a perfect world, a one would show up to this conversation not believing that their way is the right way and anyone who presents a different way is wrong that's an unhealthy one Mm -hmm. but you just and also you know ones have to be careful that if a one Mm -hmm. isn't very healthy what you'll feel under the surface though they are not actually doing it externally is a little bit of the finger wag the shoulds the oughts and the musts and we want to make sure that when we come into a conversation there's sort of an open-heartedness to other people's ideas not assuming that our way is the right way, that we're not radiating guilt or shame for past mistakes with finances. And I think also that we come in not just being critical of others, but critical of ourselves, feeling like I've done things wrong in the past, or we should, I didn't do this, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think in every conversation, we want to come in with compassion, with care, with concern, with curiosity, with seeing the conversation as an opportunity for creating more intimacy. That's true across the types, right?
0: Before you move on, I, sure. wanna, I actually want to go back to this one because you used a couple words here, should, ought, and must. Yeah. And I think in particular with money, those words are very dangerous. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes doing something just because you think you should or you're supposed to actually detracts from what you could be doing. And I know at least for me, like I'm pretty candid, I've had a lot of therapy in my lifetime and my therapist says something and I'm not a one, but my therapist frequently says stop shooting on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so incredibly important for this dialogue, because if you're doing everything you're supposed to do at the expense of enjoyment for your life, money is really just a tool and it is meant to help you build a life you're excited to live. And if it's not doing that, I would say that is a trigger point for reevaluating specifically what you're doing.
1: Yes. Yeah. I Even wondered, though it feels like adulting.
2: Yeah. I think it's important for ones just in general to remember that you can do everything right, quote unquote. You can follow the rules and still not get the outcome you wanted. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a reason to beat yourself up. It's just that you're talking about, you're in with financial. Right. Environments. There are things you can't control or anticipate. Right. So you can follow all the rules you want, but and be as responsible as you want, but there's always a margin for things to go south. That's not a reason to beat
1: yourself up.
0: And that's something that you said at the very, very first podcast was that we are <laughs> not as in control as we think we are. Right.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make room for chaos. Right. Mm-hmm. On that side of it. Yeah.
2: And also be ready to understand that chaos is opportunity. It's not necessarily a disaster, it's just a new environment and you have to be creative and curious and be like, okay, well, Mm. one of the things I say to people all the time, whether it's about finances or anything else in life, let's say someone has a problem that arises with one of the children or with whatever. I say to them, what does this make possible?
1: Mm.
2: Which I think is a very, instead of saying, how do we get everything back to how it was and going into panic mode? It's like, no. What does this make what does this new situation make possible? It's a whole different way of seeing issues in life that I think is really
1: healthy. Mm. That's a great man. That's a great phrase.
2: So, you want to go to twos?
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Let's do
2: it. So, I think the best way for twos to show up for a conversation is to be open to not being and overly reliant on feelings as a way of understanding or knowing the world, but to sh- to put your critical thinking hat on, right? Twos, it's not their natural thing to do, right? To go into Mm -hmm. critical Mm -hmm. thinking mode. But I think that's really important when they show up to these kinds of conversations around finances. Because feelings need to be baked into the calculation, but they can't be the sole lens through which you make decisions. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I feel this way, but my critical thinking has added this perspective as well. So you show up with that hat on too. It's almost connecting
0: like the heart as a driver with the head making sure that you're finding where they're in alignment.
2: Absolutely. Remember, we talked about there are nine types. Three are in the heart triad. So they're over-reliant
1: on feelings. And that's the four as well, right? Twos, threes, and fours. Mm -hmm.
2: Then you got fours, fives, and sixes. And they're going to be, at times, overly reliant on critical thinking in the mind. And then you're going to have eight, nines, and ones. They can be over-reliant on their guts. What does my gut tell me? Yep. Right? (laughs) So I think in a perfect world, all types would try to bring critical thinking, their heart, and their gut into balance that you have access to all three of those intelligences because they all are a form of intelligence your heart is an intelligence it tells you things all the time your gut tells you stuff all the time it thinks right and your mind tells you stuff all the time we know that is an intelligence Mm -hmm. right how do we bring those three intelligences into balance so i think that's a great way when you're making decisions Don't rely on your type's preferred intelligence. So twos, threes, and fours, you tend to over-rely on feelings. Five, sixes, and sevens on Uh the head, critical thinking. Eight, nines, and ones on your gut. So don't over-privilege any one of those. Try to bring all three into balance as you're making decisions about finances.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned that idea of curiosity in this podcast and a couple of others, and I think it's such a great phrase because it's, especially if I'm in a relationship, my partner probably has a different... Maybe in a different triad than I have. Oh yeah. And so if, if I'm coming in with the heart, being curious about, all right, well, how would they look at this from a gut-centered standpoint, or a head, and how do we how do we merge those two?
2: Exactly. Well, the beauty of knowing a partner's type is it gives you the capacity to put your feet into their shoes. Yeah. It's called empathy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, so that's how you see the world." Okay, right. so that now I understand why you are approaching the topic of money and finances and wealth building in this way. And then you can now, you can help them to see the world from your point of view and vice versa and recognizing that neither one is superior to the other. It's
0: just different. Yeah, it's just a different, different lens. So what about so, a 3?
2: I would say with a 3, you want to I would approach the conversation, I would not bring a ton of feelings into it either. I would bring in the language of opportunity, language of, we've said this before, goals, efficiencies, make it, to make it fun for a three in a conversation around finances, I think if you talk about, here's the payoff. Right. Here's the win. How do we get to the win?
0: Well, I think being aware that's what's important to you when you're speaking about it and being able to say, this is my goal or this is what I want or I want to do this thing because here's where I perceive the win gives your partner the ability to relate to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Helping translate what win looks like. Yeah. And even in the conversation
2: to say, all right, so you're a three and I'm a six. So tell me about your lens. I'll tell you about my lens. This is what's so good about knowing both of your types. And we right. have that couples report you right, know, right, on my right. website. I think that understanding that is super helpful. And being able to talk about it and uh, recognize the blind spots that each type has and like how can we arrive at the best place together that is based on our operating in the highest place of health.
1: Right. Well, but if I'm a three and I'm showing up with all win and opportunities and goals and drive, the curiosity part of that might be, well, maybe the four doesn't care. Like if a three is married to a four, and I don't even know if that's an actual pairing. But if a three is married to the four, they've got to show up and, well, this is how I'm seeing the world. But maybe you view money as pedestrian. And so, you know, being open to that, that curious of how they're seeing it.
2: Yeah, without judgment of the other.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't care about winning. What are you, crazy? Isn't that the whole goal of life?
2: Exactly. And that three can benefit from the alternative perspective of the other type that they're married to, you know, in relationship with. So I think with fours, we've discussed this. I can just tell you as a four, the best way to approach me would be to say, as we have this conversation, I want to honor that you're a creative and that you're somebody who wants to make a mark on the world and you love deep emotional engagement with other people. So in this conversation, I want to talk about how we can use resources and wealth building to make it possible for you to sponsor those activities, right? That's
0: what's important to you. So when you show up and you start talking to your spouse about money, where do you have to be careful?
2: I might be too Mm feeling-based. I might bring too many emotions into the equation. I might be somebody that might become a little elitist and say, I don't really care about money because it's so banal. banal. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's banal. It's, it's just, it's like small <laughs> of us to be thinking too much about this, you know? Now, right. I'm past that in my life. There are very ambitious fours. I'm a fairly ambitious four. I have a very strong three influence in my life. But I think to just recognize as you're in that conversation that you're going to be very feeling oriented. Right. I also need to use critical thinking.
1: And, and that's the same thing you said about the twos. Yes, we're both on don't, that feeling triad. Don't show up all emotions. Know that you've got to do data. Absolutely. I, I
0: would think, too, there might be an argument here for three might like to talk about money all the time because of the attachment to status and that sort of thing. But as a four, is it helpful to say, okay, we're going to talk about money at this time, so that you know, okay, I'm going into this mode where we're going to discuss this, and I have to do this thing because it's practical. But as soon as we reach the hour end of the discussion, I can put this away and I don't have to think about it again. Is there an argument yeah, for that?
2: Yeah, sure. And I think, again, remember, we are talking in generalities about times. Sure. Every person brings trauma to a conversation from the past.
0: Speaking of, here's our siren in the background. <laughs> yeah, again. right? So, I mean, it's just,
2: we're talking about probabilities of how types will think. And right, end. right. But, you know, if you're a three who grew up in financial chaos as a kid growing up, you might have a different perspective about it. Mm. You might mm-hmm. be a little right. bit more risk-averse than a three who grew up in a very normal home. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Or, yeah. you know, yeah. A home that was stable. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't think you can ever—I I think with all the different personality assessments and things that you look at, they're meant to give you insight, not to box you in.
1: Exactly, yeah.
2: So— I think with fives.
1: Yeah, how would they show up to be their best selves if you're a five? I'm asking out of, you know, yes. just sheer curiosity. not yeah.
2: <laughs> Personal <laughs> so investment. So I would say for a five to show up best, they have to come in open to the feelings of others. Right. How does this person <laughs> feel about money? It's recognizing that data is one kind of information, but it's not the only kind of information. I'm always having to tell fives, feelings are a form of data. They are data, right? You can't just say that the head provides data. Understand that other people are not as concerned in researches and analysis as you are. It's important. You can share it with them. right? But guess what? There are other ways of knowing what to do with finances than just merely what the data says.
0: This is why I limit your use of spreadsheets this and is, client meetings. This is true. <laughs>
1: Spreadsheets and Venn diagrams. That's how the world
0: works. And
2: and also to try to emotionally connect with the person in the conversation. Right. If you come in too up in your head when you're having such an emotional conversation, it is going to be off-putting. And, and people might, you know, yeah, you're smart, but you don't, you're not connecting with me. Oh, uh, that's a good point. You know, like sometimes I have a friend of mine who's a five. He says, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to somebody, I think my face looks like a blank computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no emotional affect going past my face. And it's like, that's great if you're in an emergency room with a surgeon and you want them to be like all about the data and what to do next. yeah I want but a house, when you're having right. an emotional conversation around
1: finances, that's not necessarily helpful. Well, and you have to remember that it's an emotional conversation. It's not exactly. a data-driven conversation. And
0: I actually think this is where Eric has a huge benefit because he does have a four wing is that he is very capable of leaning into that emotional side when he needs to and building very like deep and trusting relationships right. with his clients. And it's always fun for me when I get to be in a meeting with him and he kind of lets loose is what I would say and really connects with the client and goes on some of the more emotional tangents because I think he actually... Actually, has it, a very? I don't know. You're very skilled in the way you approach that.
2: Well, we don't better. have time to talk about it now. We would have to explain sure. what wings are to people and all that stuff. But I think fives with a four wing are very unusual because you're the only number that has one foot in oh, one triad and, heart, and, mm-hmm. right. and another foot in the other triad. Yeah,
0: he's at war with himself. Oh, constant. So, <laughs> but
2: you now have the capacity to be equally attuned emotionally and right.
0: it's almost like being ambidextrous
2: it is yeah, yeah it's sure. a really it's a really great combination but
1: if you don't get torn apart inside
0: <laughs>
2: yes yeah exactly it's also the number that's most likely to be the quirkiest number on the game <laughs> oh,
0: i can see that too so how does a six need to show up in conversation because they're about just money?
1: worried about fear right they're worried about not having enough so how do they not project that out
2: I think they just, again, it's self-awareness. You have to come into the conversation saying fear will not be the guiding force in this conversation. You, mm. you need to come into a conversation also trusting the other person and not to be suspicious of their agenda, right? Because sometimes a six will see stuff that's not actually there in terms uh-huh. of the other person's motivation, and they have to be sort of trusting that, oh, guess what? Yeah. Sometimes people are—what see what you see sometimes is what you get, right, in a relationship of— where there's intimacy involved.
1: Right. There's a, there's a guy I follow, a guy named John A. Cuff, who lives... I know John, right? yeah. Yeah. He made this comment the other day. He says, I feel like sometimes I walk around with this giant salt shaker in my bag, and I replay conversations, and I pour salt all over the, that conversation, and then I try it on, and I'm like, that was a really salty conversation. And it's like, you made all that happen. You put all that on there. It didn't exist before you got there. Right. And I could see that happening with the six of imagining things that weren't there.
2: Yes. I agree. That's called the projection of the six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sixes, uh their defense mechanism is projection. For fours it's called introjection, which is a completely different animal. So every type has a defense mechanism that they use. And again, if you're so if you have enough self-awareness, oh I've just deployed it. Gotta be careful. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just move through the world with so much you know, we talk about Daniel Goldman in business who mm-hmm. Developed the now very well-known phrase emotional intelligence, and part of that is what we're talking about. You are moving through the world with self-intelligence, right. so that when you come into conversations, and let me give you an example of this. Right, I'm a four. Well, a, a dear friend of mine is one of the hard, most hardcore threes on the planet, right? <laughs> and if I told you his name, everybody would know it. Right. So I can't. I wish I could, but he. This person is a hardcore three. So we had coffee at a restaurant. I knew he wanted to have. A conversation. With me. Well, he called and said, "Hey, I want to get together." Now, immediately, I know this is going to be a business conversation. He's not a guy who just calls and says, "Hey, I'm interested in knowing how you're doing." You know, catching up. Line. There's an yeah. agenda. There's an agenda. So we come into the conversation, and because I know he's a three and what he's like, I sit down and rather than t- talking about the kids and everything else, I go, "Okay, thanks for the coffee. Now, what tell do me, you want? Yeah, what's what's going on? How can I be? How can I help?" And we go right into the conversation. If I was having a conversation with a two, I would not start
1: it that way.
0: Right.
2: So I just know when I move into certain conversations and I know the other person's type that I'm, you know, I baked it into my mind and what this is. Don't be
1: surprised when it
2: goes that way, right? I can anticipate it. Mm -hmm. So it's super helpful. Super helpful.
0: So what about a seven? How do they need to show up? What do they need to be careful of?
2: Sevens in intimate conversations sometimes have a hard time. Because there's always the potential for difficult feelings, like mm. anxiety, a potential conflict. This is not going to be a fun conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so they have to show up, I think, with singular focus. Like, okay, this is what this conversation's about. I'm not going to crack jokes when things get too hot and heavy, if they do. As a way um, to
1: deflect. Or- as a,
2: yeah, as a way to like, okay, this is too intense. I got to make it more fun. Sevens can go into denial. Because it's like, I don't want to go there, so I'm going to deny it's actually happening. Sometimes Mm. they'll reframe, right? okay, so we're going broke, but you know this is an opportunity to grow. That's a way of reframing to avoid the difficult pain Mm -hmm. or the difficulties associated with bad news. So I think the seven just needs to show up as an adult, not Peter Pan. That's what Mm. they're like when they're unhealthy. They need to show up and say, okay, we need to have a serious conversation about X. I also know when, when I'm with sevens, by the way, on the other side of the equation, that sometimes if it's gonna be a difficult conversation, I have less time to keep them focused than I do with, let's say, uh, other numbers. So I'll have to say, okay, we're gonna, in my mind, okay, I might even have to tell them, we're gonna have a 20 minute conversation about finances, okay? And
1: it's you know, gonna be difficult.
2: Maybe, maybe not, but yeah. I just, if I can just give them a time, they can stick with it, but if things go hard, I know I gotta parse this conversation. I might have to come back to the next 20 minutes tomorrow and the next 20 minutes the day after. I may just break it up into chapters. Uh, of conversation. A great, yeah.
1: And have them maybe, if I'm a seven, walking into that saying, Look, I know I've only got so much capacity for this today. Maybe they can already walk in and go, Let, Can we make this 20 minutes or 30 minutes? And just
2: possibly, or even just to say to yourself, I got to put my big boy pants on or my big girl pants on and be right. in this conversation for as long as it takes, regardless of how uncomfortable it might be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you just have that awareness, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, and guess what? This will not be forever. This will be for the next hour. And even if the residual effects of the conversation last two days, it'll only be two days. That's just Mm self-awareness.
0: Right. Deal with it now, so I don't have to keep dealing with it forever.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Remember, sevens don't look anxious, but if you nick them, you'll find a lot of anxiety under the paint. Lots of anxiety. Oh, interesting. So, you know, they look confident and have fun and like they don't have a care in the world. It's so really just scratch the paint. You'll find the anxiety for sure.
1: That's fascinating. So if you were an eight, and there's no eights in the room, so we don't really have to worry about this. How do you show up in an eight to have that conversation go well?
2: All right, first thing is I want you to come into the conversation (laughs) intentionally trying to attune to the feelings of the other person. We don't want to come in with a steamroller mentality. I want to get to this point, and I will get to this point, regardless of what the other person wants. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's coming in also maybe and even sharing vulnerabilities. This is something I'm a little anxious about in this conversation. I think vulnerability is what really in life requires courage, not being defended. That actually mm-hmm. is in some ways an act of cowardice. And to come in, being able to share your weaknesses, like, you know, I know that sometimes I can be a steamroller. I know, But that's usually because I'm afraid. I don't, you know, or I'm this or I'm that. Just name it up front. I think mm-hmm. the other person will warm to you when you do that. So That's a great. And also realizing, oh, guess what? Maybe my way isn't the only way. That's how they're similar with ones. It's like, you no, know, maybe uh-huh. maybe I don't have to be as big a black and white thinker about this. Maybe there are some grays in the conversation that need to be recognized and acknowledged in some mm-hmm. way. What do you think, Mary? is do that sound right?
0: Yeah, I do. I definitely, like, if I think about my younger self in particular, I would come in and be like, this is what I want to do. I don't care if you want something different. Like, This is how I'm doing it. I make my own money. I'm going to make my decisions with my money. Here's how it is. Right. And I think now it's much more, okay, if we aren't doing that right now, why? Help me understand, like, what's missing so that we can find ways to bring alignment into there. But I think that being open to others' perspective— is huge. And then I think the second piece of this, you're right, is the vulnerability piece. And when I think about the common theme between everything that we've said so far in this conversation, to me, it's really about removing your ego from the conversation, setting that aside, and then being open to learning and hearing things that are different. And I think that's a theme that actually runs through all of these, but especially as an eight because it's such a high driver, high intensity. I find that when I walk into emotionally charged conversations, it is better for me to know that in advance so that I will keep all of the emotion in check and really just listen to understand. And then frequently, I do better if I say, okay, I'm going to take some time to digest that. And then I'll come back and tell you. Because it's to a point that you made about AIDS earlier, right? It's the gut a lot of times that's driving the decision. And when you give yourself time to think and process through, sometimes you realize things that you might not see, think, or feel immediately. Right. Well, as an eight,
2: you tend to act first and think after. Right. (laughs) Ready, (laughs) Ready aim, aim, shoot. It's like shoot, aim, ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not actually going to win any friends.
0: Well, I think coming into any discussion about money with your spouse as an eight, saying, I'm not going to make any decisions in this conversation, (sighs) because then you have eliminated your ability to just have a gut reaction. Right. You have to just take it, hear it, and then we're going to come back and— talk about. Set
1: it up as a, today is mm-hmm. an exploratory conversation yep. only. Yeah, that's a great way to put that.
2: So, Mary, I'm just going to, I'm going to lean into you for a
0: second. Oh,
1: yay. <laughs> <Okay>. So, <laughs> no, really when you that. were
2: speaking earlier, mm-hmm. you said, well, I'll come into a conversation and maybe I need to come into a conversation and say, okay, well, you think that this way, blah, 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 Why? Mm. And I was like, you don't know this, but that was pretty intense.
0: Instead of saying, help me understand your perspective. <laughs>
2: Right. Yes. Yeah.
0: Same question, different delivery.
2: Yeah, and then That's so funny. a different, uh, a different response, mm-hmm. because in that sort of when you were saying that, I felt defensive. Oh, okay. Right. Versus if you had said, "Wow, okay, I'm just curious." So tell me. Why, That's really interesting. Why... Tell me more. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you have to mean it. Yeah. Oh, right. I know. It's like, wow. Okay, I hadn't thought of that. Tell me why you're you see it that way. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different invitation, then why? So sometimes the eight is unaware of how big their guns are.
0: I think that's definitely mm-hmm. true.
2: And you could have pulled out a 22 instead of a ak right. so, <laughs> <you know. laughs>
1: That's funny. So then the nine, because my wife sort of leans nine, I know your wife does too, so I'm interested in your thoughts on this. But for me, the nine, seems like the way they come into a conversation is, I'm okay fighting for myself. Like, I want to come in and not just...
0: The way they need to come into the conversation. Yeah, the way they
1: need to come into the conversation is not just, what do they want, but what do I want?
2: So I think a nine has to make some vows as they move (laughs) into the conversation. One is, I'm going to remember that my presence matters, that my perspective, my viewpoints, my opinions are as valid as the other person's. They need to remember that though the other person will exhibit a stronger opinion... Nines just typically don't have opinions that are as strong as other people's. Remember I said earlier that every most numbers on the Enneagram run on 120 volts. Right. Or whatever that is, 110, on whatever it is. Yeah,
1: 120, right. Um,
2: right. And then the eights run on 240, nines run on 90. Got it. So everybody else's opinion seems louder than theirs to them. And so that's why sometimes they go, well, if you feel that strongly about it, I'll roll. I'll just roll with what you want to do. I think the nine needs to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say what I want, what I need, and I'm actually going to stick with it. doesn't mean I won't negotiate. I'm not going to get rigid. But I am going to come in owning what I call the claim your authority. Mm.
1: That's
2: what I would say to a nine. Mm. Claim your authority. And uh, You know what's interesting? When nines do that, I think people really enjoy it. Well, they're, yeah. They're like, wow, there you are. Cool. Now I have somebody I can engage with instead of them when they're unhealthy, being kind of mushy, ill-defined. Mm-hmm. The eights are very defined. Man, you can just see the outline of the eight really clearly. Right. Sometimes the unhealthy nine is blurry. They get fuzzy. And I think it's important for them to come in and just have this feeling like, man, I have a point of view and I want to express it. And,
0: uh, and there's value in
2: it. Yes, there's, there's value, value in it. it yeah. And I think the nine needs to come to the conversation prepared.
1: Oh, because there's going to be questions that you can't yeah. just go, well, I'm going to think about it for another week and I'll get back.
2: Yeah, I think nines need to come in prepared. I think every type should come in, to prepare, come in prepared to a conversation around finances if, in fact, they have time to prepare, and hopefully they do. But I think the nine in particular needs to say, you know, all right, I need to know what. This conversation is about, I probably need to know a little bit about the data involved and, you know, the decisions Mm -hmm. that have to be made and then come in 100 percent there and not shrink or try to merge with the agenda of the other
0: person. And I think that's an argument, actually, for setting a specific time to have these conversations with the expectation that this is the conversation we're going to have and even giving that conversation an agenda because – I think when you blindside people and they don't have time to mentally or emotionally prepare for the conversation, you frequently don't get the the best of the responses, whether that's what you're delivering personally or what you're receiving. And when there is found, at least in my household, when there's an expectation of, hey, we're going to show up and our intent is to listen and not judge and this is what we're going to talk about, that the conversation typically goes a lot better than it does when you've had a hard day at work and your spouse walks in and then all of a sudden you're having this intense conversation that requires major decision-making. And I think it is much harder in that situation to show up as your best self.
2: I oftentimes tell my wife, we do not have hard conversations after 6 o'clock at night. I
1: think that's Mm. wise. Yeah, there's we're a decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. We're too
2: tired. Out. We've had we've already had a long day. Uh, let's have it on Saturday at lunch after a good night's rest. Yep. Now, sometimes you don't have that luxury because something come up that's an emergency, right? But most of the time in a conversation like this, you can say, eh, let's, let's have this tomorrow at 1. That mm-hmm. way we're rested and we're ready. Right. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Where can they find more information? Either
2: yeah, they about can go. Their... Yeah, Ian Morgan Cron, I-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N-C-R-O-N.com. They can find the IQ9 Enneagram assessment to learn their own type, or they can take our couple's profile, which would help them to understand not only themselves, but the dynamics of the relationship they have with their partner.
0: I love it. The more knowledge we have, the easier it is to show up as our best self, make good decisions, whether that's financial or otherwise. More life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, where can they find you?
1: Economics with Eric on LinkedIn and Facebook.
0: And if you're looking for me, you can find me at The Wealth Woman wherever you social media. See you next time.
1: Thanks.